Diego Maradona was unveiled as manager of the Bay-based club Awasal a decade ago, it brought to the UAE one of sport's most famously volatile spirits. A global star with a penchant for headlines, not always confined to the sports pages. A little over a year earlier, Maradona had been hit with a two-month ban by FIFA for an expletive-laden tirade at the press after Argentina qualified for the 2010 World Cup. At other times in his career, he had shot at journalists with an air rifle and run over a cameraman's foot in his car. Fair to say, the UAE media was unused to having such an incendiary force of nature on its beat. I'm Paul Redley, a sports writer for The National, and along with our football writer John McCauley, we'll be looking at what went into telling the story of that time in the second episode of our series on Maradona's stint in the UAE. UAE football had had the odd world star here before, but I think this was definitely on a different level of fame and interest to anything that had gone before, wasn't it, John? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's had his misadventures in the past, let's say. So we were all bracing ourselves to to see what Maradona would bring here, what Maradona being here would entail for for those covering it and, and for UAE football fans and sports fans in general. You know, this wasn't, certainly wasn't his living life right through kind of the lens at, at Boca Juniors or or with Napoli and Naples. But he was still going to make headlines here, no matter what. It's Diego Maradona, after all. And he was very much aware of those headlines that he was making here. As Tariq Al-Sharabi told us, and Tariq, just, just to give you a little bit of background, he looked after the PR at Al-Wassel at that time. In fact, before Maradona had come in and, and very quickly became the voice of Maradona to the English media, he looked after all Maradona's media commitments. You'd always hear, you know, it sounds like a bit of a cliche in football, but if a team gets bad headlines, they'll pin them up on the dressing room wall. Well, as Tarek says here, Maradona certainly did that too. And I think he became very comfortable as well, knowing that I am reflecting his thoughts in a proper manner, because what he used to do is ask for the papers the next day and sit down and ask for translations. So he would sit down with me and the translator and tell me, read what they're saying here. The Arabic translator couldn't speak English. So what we had to do was I had to read out what the national wrote, say it in Arabic. So I'm I'm reading the English article, translating it in Arabic. The Arabic translator is translating it in Spanish to Diego and he's nodding and he's nodding. And when he doesn't like something, he asks me to point out, where did they say that? I pull out and he'd bark it and he would address it in the next press conference. (laughs) <laughs> he would make note and he would make sure that if it's not asked, that I ask him about it or he just brings it up in the opening remarks. And the, the, the interviews that he would like, he would keep up. He would put up on his, uh, uh, on his board. He would uh, plaster them up. He would pin them up. He would keep them. He kept a, a, a few from the National, a few from the Emirates, uh, uh, what was it called, Sport 360, you know? And, uh, and, and he would ask me, next time we're in the press conference, point out to the guy that wrote this because he wants to know who's his friend and who's being cheeky. So Maradona wanted to find out who was being cheeky, but he could be pretty cheeky himself, couldn't he? He was mischievous even. He, he would often have a glint in his eye in the press conference, you know, if, obviously if he was in the mood. Maradona gave us plenty of material over that season. It started with a thrilling 4-3 defeat to Al Jazeera in mid-September of that season. And then within a week of that, um, he was already making news off the field for um, an incident where he actually uh, kicked uh, one of his team's own supporters while he was trying to 
unfurl a banner. John, can you sort of describe that incident in a bit more depth? Yeah, so it was before his first home game, the Atisalat Cup match, which is like a League Cup match against Emirates. What a way to announce yourself at the Zabil Stadium. So he was he was called across the pitch to the opposite stand from the dugout. And as you said, there was a banner there that references grandson, Benjamin, who's Sergio Aguero's son. And Maradona wanted to pose alongside that and get a photo with that. Obviously, you know, a sweet message on it in Spanish. And as Maradona's waiting for the photographer getting into place, this very eager fan keeps lifting up the bottom of the banner. So you can see Maradona. Yeah, and calling Diego, Diego, Diego. So Maradona pulls the banner down the first time and then I think pulls it down again the second time. And the third time this fan <laughs> peeks underneath again, Maradona kicks out with his with his left foot, of course. Trusty left foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hit the fan on the hand. Now, obviously, that photo, you know, it, it didn't just get picked up inside UAE football. It, it, it went it went viral. It was splashed across the globe. You know, this this is again not not the greatest headline you want to be making on your at your first home match. And after that, such was the kind of clamor around that, or or a little bit of controversy around that, that Al Wassel then said that they they might actually have to hire a team of lawyers to defend Maradona and the club from attacks saying that some of the recent attacks on Maradona in the media have started to affect the Argentine legend. This is right from the off. This is the second week into his tenure, and, and there was plenty more to come. And one person who was there throughout, really, was, was Ashley Hammond, who was the, the football reporter for Golf News, who UAE football was his beat at the time. And Ash tells us what it was like to, to cover Maradona week in, week out, with all of this stuff going on away from the pitch. There's two sides of Maradona. Uh, the two sides of Diego. You get Diego and you get Maradona. I think I saw him at like a personal level and I saw that he was really, really down to earth, really nice guy. And then you obviously see Maradona that he does these crazy things like he kicked, he kicked the fan. There's moments like that where you, where I was seeing Diego up close as a really decent, he seemed really decent and he really down to earth. And I, we obviously didn't speak the same language, but you felt that sort of rapport with him when you're in a room with him. Like it's a cliche, but he really did light up a room and he really did. Everyone that is in that room just felt amazing. I'm with Maradona, and that didn't wear off. I went to I, God knows how many press conferences, and that feeling did not wear off, that you're in the company of Maradona. You just came out feeling a million dollars. So as Ash says there, reporters might come out feeling a million dollars from meetings with Maradona. You know, you've got some golden copy there in your notebook, but not everybody would have felt like that after every utterance Maradona came up with. He made some rivals, I think it's fair to say, during his time in the league here and well in fact obviously throughout his career it probably fueled him a lot of the time that's um how he got up for matches and 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 as a coach as well in november he started what became a long running feud with the alain coach cosmin oloroyu um john can you give us a bit more background on what became of those two yeah so cosmin as you said was the the coach of alain who would have been al wassel's main rivals at that time the, the two teams of kind of their fortunes have have gone different paths since but but cosman was no shrinking violet himself you know very much you know could be pretty abrasive in press conferences wouldn't would be another manager that you'd have to be let's just say you'd have to choose your words very carefully around so alain had won 10 league titles at that stage and al wassel had won seven and and they were by far the two most decorated teams in the UAE. Do they have quite a strong existing rivalry anyway, even apart from the two managers? Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, basically, as I said, because of they were competing for for titles together in in the very recent past when we're talking Maradona's time, the two teams were were on a bit of a collision course with two pretty explosive managers. And then after a one nil loss in the cup to Alain, 
Maradona launched into an attack on on Cosman, which you know is never going to just get brushed under the carpet. And he had said that Cosman was quite rude. Cosman had uh, mocked Maradona for for wearing shorts on the touchline, saying it was disrespectful. Maradona obviously um, retaliated by saying that he should learn some manners. So as you said, this feud took root then and continued right through into December. Maradona waved off Cosman's attempts to shake his hand after one game. And then it kind of escalated to the point right before the end of the year. Maradona was fined 9,000 dirhams by the Football Association for verbally abusing Cosman. Yeah, so these rival clubs now had rival coaches and Maradona being Maradona was in no mood kind of to let that lie. He decided to stoke the flames a little bit more um, during a press conference at, an, at another ground. Here's Tarek to, to recount the story. Post-match, um, and they just, you know, they just put uh, some some water for you on, on the on the head table. They're not very generous with the guests. Uh, so just, they just had some Alain small plastic water cups for us there, me, him, and the translator. And of course, everyone knew the rivalry between him uh, and the Alain coach, uh, Al-Wassal and Alain. So, you know, it was, that was, that's when, you know, when there was any sort of hot topics or heat between any two clubs in the UAE at that time, it was Al-Wassal Alain. And he knew that. So now he knows Alain is the club to sort of like, you know, butt heads with. And so, um, so we get into the press conference. We're about to start getting seated. He looks in front of him and he sees, of course, the Alain water bottle. Uh, and then he immediately thinks, oh, Alain football club. So he screams out, he's like, he grabs it, he's like, Alain, and he just flings it over. And, oh man, it's like, how do you control yourself? You know, how do you remain posed, poised and, and professional? Of course, cameras clicking that photo, it made it. Someone actually caught the bottle of water in midair, and uh, his, his his expression on his face when he was like, you know, in full disgust. Uh, and of course, I laughed. I have to admit, it was a funny, funny, you know, you know the things that you never expect uh, happen. And uh, this was one of them where, you know, he's he's he gets away with these things. You know, he's he's smart, he's funny, but he's also very serious at the same time. You know, and he just he chooses when to, when which character to put on. And uh, I think uh, uh, the, the next day, uh, you know, there was a bit of, you know, now Alain fans got uh, found out and now it's like, how do you throw the, the, the and, 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 you know, from a PR perspective, it's a water bottle, you know, it had nothing of, no club emblem, it didn't resemble the club in any way. It's just a bottle of water, he threw it over his shoulder, get over it guys, you know, it's not a big deal. But we had to actually, sort of cool things down between fans and even management and uh, I think maybe he maybe he found out that you know next time just try to not do these things that are related to you know clubs and, and, and other clubs and rivalry but um, it's basically things that he would do this is one of them that you wouldn't expect or ever see any other manager in the uh, UAE league do so um, that's why even though it was a bit out of ordinary maybe sometimes even not ethically right but Everyone enjoyed it, everyone appreciated it because no one else was doing it. You know, without him, there was no action. And he brought so much action into the league just by being in a press conference. So rivalries and confrontations weren't confined to, to UAE football. Obviously, this is Diego Maradona after <laughs> all. And and obviously, you know, kind of easy fodder for him tended to be Pele, you know, the two arguably the two greatest footballers of all time, joint FIFA player of the centuries. So there was that competitive rivalry between the two and obviously that played out after their careers as well so 
even though he was here in the UAE, Maradona would still find time to to stick the boot in, let's just say, um, on Pele whenever he, he could. And on one occasion, on the eve of a match with, with Al-Shabaab, he took a shot at his old rival and someone had put a point of view from Pele's term in this press conference, which, which tended to happen a lot. Obviously, you've got Maradona sitting there. Of course, you're going to ask him whatever, you know, an old rival or, or a, a, a legend is, of his similar standing has said. And Maradona chirped back, it seems Pele is confused and I think he's mixed up his medications. He took the morning pill instead of the nighttime pill and that has caused him to lose focus. Yeah, so Maradona's time here wasn't solely driven by the rivalries he made and, and, and angry contests he had. At one point in the middle of January, there was evidence of the massive affection he had from here and far, about as far as you could possibly get. He entered hospital uh, as he had kidney stones. And as Tarek told us here, Tarek being the PR manager for our Wassel Club, he was fielding uh, queries and sort of concerns from all over the globe at that point. Once the news came out, it managed to filter out that Maradona was in hospital and people from all over the place wanted to know uh, what exactly what was going on and get updates on his state of health. Uh, and Tarek here reca- recounts how he received a call from Colombian radio. And this is how Tarek had to deal with that. I recall one, uh, one incident where um, I just realized the following. I realized the, uh, the addiction they have, the cult-like behavior uh, from all over the world where he fell sick because of a kidney stone and he was hospitalized and somehow people found out. And as you know, if something, if something negative comes out about him, it spreads like fire. So it was all over. The, the 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 news all over the world because I was monitoring it, you know. Uh, that's part of my job, monitoring the media for the club. And I remember being in the office. Now I'm working, I'm in my office, I'm working on a separate client, uh, you know, and I get a, a weird number. I pick it up and it is a radio station from Colombia um, calling me during office hours wanting to get an update on Diego Maradona's health situation. And... Um, their English is not very good. They're not understanding my English. Uh, I had to leave the office, step outside, go to the corridor, try to take... And, and basically, what they asked me to do was... So I told them. I gave them a very brief... Uh, I thought, you know what? It's there in Colombia. You know, he's fine. It went well. He's going to be discharged very soon. And I assure you that he's doing great. They're like, we need you to come on the air live to say this it is very important like i cannot do that uh i just gave you some information you can like mention it as a story they're like no 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 no. please 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 it's very important Uh, i'm not a spokesperson i cannot give out quotes i never did in my entire duration except for this once and i and i wanted to do it because i really felt that they were begging me like they're like people need to hear this people are concerned people are really like you know they're worried I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want people to be worried. I want the Colombians to feel, you know, uh, happy. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And they told me, we'll call you back in 15 minutes and we'll be on the air live and we'll introduce you. But don't worry, speak in English. And then we'll do this, the sort of like the voiceover. And, uh, and yeah, and they called me up and they were like, they were saying stuff. And, they, and basically, I would, you know, it was in Spanish. So like, no, 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 Diego, no, 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 Dubai, no, 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 Tarek, Tarek, you know, Tarek, no, 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 no. Hello, Tarek, yes, please tell us, you know, please, how with Diego? And I'm like, hello, first of all, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I told them, he's doing fine. And 
it, was, it, it took like a 30, 40 seconds on the air. And uh, that's when I realized, like, I've I would never experience something like this in my line of work, getting a call from a Colombian uh, radio station to go live on the air to explain the situation of my client. Yes, that was a phone call for Tarek from all the way over in Colombia. A little bit closer to home, just to sort of get an understanding of the cult of Maradona as it was, um, we got in touch with Reem Abelau, who's a Dubai-based sports reporter, but from Egypt. We wanted to know from Reem what Maradona meant to her growing up as a sports fan in Egypt and his ability, his charisma, and also that little extra that he has off the field in terms of his personality. She suggested that that fitted with the psyche of sports fans over here in terms of following a maverick. Especially when he eventually came and lived in Dubai, because everyone felt like, oh, he's one of us now, you know, because he didn't just come and stay for a bit and leave. Like he was he was in Dubai for a while. And I just saw everywhere we went out, like everyone's obsessed with him. I remember I was like, okay, this is going to be fun having a weekly press conference with Diego Maradona. Imagine the stuff he's going to be saying every week. Like I was thinking that because obviously he says a lot, like he say a lot of outrageous stuff. But then it didn't hit me of like how big that was until I went to the press conference. I remember it was at night and I remember that when I was going, there was a car, someone in a in an Audi Q7 or something who was speeding like crazy going past me on the way there. And then when I got there and in the parking lot, turns out it was Diego Maradona in the car. <laughs> you know, the, you know, people were like super speeding and they just like tailgate you and they're trying to pass you. And I was like, who is this person who's in a hurry? And then when I get there, I was like, ah. <laughs> and I think I was the only woman in the room, uh, which tends to happen in, in, in UAE football in general. And I just remember I was I was in the back just watching uh, everything unfold and everyone settled down and stuff. And then when he started talking, that's when I was like, a bit, I don't know, I got chills. I was like, oh my God, I'm in a room. This is my job and I'm in a room listening to Diego Maradona. I'd be lying if I said, ah. Oh, it's just a normal day in my life, chilling with Maradona. Of course not. Like, it was amazing. I don't know. When you meet someone with that kind of, like, legend status and that kind of myth status and you're able to to do a good job, that you learn a lot from that as well, right? Like, he, I never went in there taking photos. I never went in there thinking. I'm not, I'm all, I was always there to get a good line. I was always there. And, and even though he he's kind of all over the place sometimes, he also was challenging to interview, right? Like, his... He would ask him something and he'd answer something else. And I feel like I actually learned a lot from that period as well. Because you know that your time with him is going to be super limited because there's always so much hype around him. You always know you want a nice line for the paper and stuff. And no, I think it was amazing. I, I loved seeing him everywhere. It was, it was amazing. I think that's fair to say that wherever he was, even if it wasn't you know, a press conference that you were specifically there, to hear from Maradona and you knew he was going to be there, wherever he was, you knew he was there. He, he dominated the room or he dominated wherever he was. Really. He, stole, he stole the show and sometimes it was intentional, wasn't it? Remember, in his next role after being our Wassel manager, he was the Dubai sports ambassador. I think we've deduced from, from speaking to a number of people that he was a really big tennis fan, wasn't he? Yeah, more or less everybody that, that knew him really closely told us that. They, they referenced his love for tennis, whether that was playing at the courts and Jebel Ali Hotel, where strangely no one would bother him or even recognize him. And that's that's why I love playing there, apparently. Or sometimes at the Habtour Grand in, in Dubai Marina. 
or even playing paddle tennis, which he apparently did almost daily and, and absolutely loved that. Extremely competitive. As long as he won. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much everybody to, to a person said that, that Diego needed to win. But there was even one year in 2013 during the Dubai Tennis Championships men's event that he was watching Juan Martin Del Potro, the, the former US Open champion, who's obviously from Argentina as well, his compatriot, on center court at the Aviation Club. And Maradona was invited to have a, a knockabout on court with, with Del Potro following Del Potro's win. I think it was a third round match. And Reem tells a lovely story about the, the tournament organizers. So everyone's watching this, this little friendly match, as long as Maradona uh, thought it was friendly, unfold. But behind the scenes, the, you've got the tournament organizers who are beholden to broadcasters and TV schedules. They couldn't get Maradona off court, you know, despite the need for the next match to be played. He was so caught up in the moment, you know, taking it as competitively, probably as, as only he wanted to take it. And playing completely to the crowd, and the crowd were in the palm of his hand, apparently, absolutely loving it. Although he was a nightmare, perhaps, for the organisers, that, that's basically what he did by just turning up at these events, you know, be it tennis or cycling or, or swimming or, or horse racing at the Dubai World Cup. And as Reem says, he lit up these events like possibly nobody else could. I think football-wise, he didn't do that well, right? But I do think that his presence in, in the country in general created so much buzz everywhere. Like, I would always read Argentinian press and South American press and stuff. And everything he said here and everything he did here was like Diego in Dubai said this or that. So I just think that he made a huge impact just in terms of creating buzz around the sports scene here. Because at the end of the day, if there's a swimming World Cup here, yeah, the people who follow swimming are going to know Chad Leclerc is here or whatever. But when Diego Maradona shows up, automatically more people know about it. And it was the same with the cycling. He just created a lot of buzz when he was at the finish line at the Burj Khalifa or whatever. With that kind of stuff, I definitely think that it was kind of an iconic period when Diego was just showing up to all of these events. So I think it's interesting that Reem said there that Dubai was always name-checked in media reports back in Argentina of Maradona's time here. We actually got in touch with an Argentine journalist to see what Maradona's adoring public back at home made of him being so far away from them and what effect, if any, Maradona being here had of their understanding of Dubai. Yeah, so we caught up with a guy called Ezequiel Fernandez Mores, who is an Argentinian sports journalist based in Buenos Aires. He's a sports journalist of more than 40 years. So he's, he's charted Maradona's career for a long, long time. And, and we, caught, we were interested to get his idea and his perspective in terms of what Maradona in Dubai meant in Argentina. As we've said before, this is someone who was followed almost religiously by, by people in Argentina who obviously wanted to know his every move. So there was that fascination with Maradona being here. But as Ezequiel pointed out as well, that there was also intrigue and, and a little bit of uncertainty or there wasn't too much knowledge what he had said of, of the UAE and, and Dubai. We know they have a lot of gas, petroleum, royal families, a lot of money and not much more. So when Diego was there, it was the, the information that we received, it was not too much. And the only things that we know is that Diego was uh, having a little bit of peace there in Dubai. He was far from the conflict. The conflict was here in Buenos Aires because uh, he had a conflicted familiar situation too much girlfriends and, and sons and dis, discussing a lot. 
And so uh, the information was not good uh, here in Buenos Aires when he was here. Uh, it was a um, conflicted information, a gossip information. Uh, but when he was in Dubai, we know, first of all, he was long time in Dubai, and it was not easy for Diego to have um, long relationships, a contract relationship. But he, he was in Dubai a long time. So it was very, very strange. So we said, hey, he, he's not only making money, he's also having some peace interior piece maybe you know the information about uh, Dubai as I told you before is not too much um, and we have also no royal family so uh, uh, our king is Diego Maradona <laughs> was Diego Maradona we have no kings uh, Diego was a very good king some people said that we we are a, a metaphor of Maradona or, 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 or maybe Maradona is a metaphor from Argentina And I think the fact that he ruled the hearts of many for so long often gave him a, the feeling, anyway, that he had a lot more leeway in terms of what he said. Particularly over here, you should say that it isn't the done thing that managers speak out and make ultimatums. It just doesn't really happen with managers here that they'll say, I want to buy this player and they're going to dig their heels in until the, you know, the bosses above them say, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll bow to, bow to your greater knowledge. Over here, that doesn't really happen, does it? They, if that happens, the managers for the high jump immediately, but because he's Maradona, he did at times, like in the middle of February, he made his first public transfer fund ultimatum at the club. Um, and that was really, it was a bit of a shock. Yeah, quite possibly the only other person that I would have known at the time, certainly, that was doing that would have been Cosman. As I said, so these, these two guys who, who have become sworn enemies almost, they're, <laughs> they're, they're cut from the same cloth in that regard. But even still, That was, as you said, it was February that, that Maradona had made that first kind of public ultimatum on, on getting in a lot more reinforcements or, or improving the squad. Even still, Maradona, given his, his standing and his, his stature and his reputation for pushing the boundaries, could certainly, yeah, push that envelope a little bit more, even more so than, than Cosman. And, and that's pretty much what Ashley discovered right from the off. There's not often you get someone talk out of turn in the UAE. And I think that's cultural thing and I think that's also a lot of people don't want to offend their hosts or stuff like that but then with Maradona from the get-go it was boom FIFA's this Pele's this <laughs> incredible stuff and then you, it was only a matter of time before his comments turned on Alwassel as a club Diego came in and wasn't too worried about rocking the boat so yeah, there was that excitement about him as well that he would just say everything that was in his mind just because he could as well because he's Maradona if you go right back to before the league had started I think it was a couple of days beforehand or the day beforehand that Maradona quietly kind of questioned the club's recruitment because Alwasa were beginning the season without a full quota of foreign players and at the time the rules stated that you were allowed four foreign players and then obviously the rest were Emirates local players but You would find as well, because as we said before, that this league is professional for, for only three seasons, three full seasons before that. So it's at the very, very beginnings of its professional era. And you still had players who had other jobs. They would work maybe in the police or they some players were studying. They, they, were, they were still students at the time. So this is right before the season kicks off. Maradona, in one of his press conferences, pleaded with, he said, managers, professors, teachers of his players 
to allow the players a little bit of leeway to come to training so that they could fix their schedules around the training. And he even said, he stretched as far as saying, look, I'll pay their expenses. I'll give them my shirt if they help us fo- this fall in line with, with his, his training programme. Because that was something that was very new to Maradona, really. Certainly coming from the high-profile position he had come from previously, the Argentina job. You know, not many players in the Argentina squad would have <laughs> would have not been professional players. They wouldn't have still <laughs> been doing their studies or just coming from their desk at the police station. But some things were, I think, obviously not new to Maradona. Like it, there was an incident in March, at the end of March, where he actually mounted the terraces to confront fans of the club Al Shabab, which is another Dubai club. To basically, he was protecting his partner. Yeah, yeah. His partner or ex-partner is a bit of a grey area at the time what the, <laughs> what the relationship was with Maradona. But it was his, his partner, uh, Veronica. So he waded in at one point. There was um, disagreement in the stands involving her and he waded in from the field. He went up into the stands to, to protect her. And this was obviously a big, huge incident that made the news. And he said afterwards, that, we accept everything in football, but do not accept men swearing at women, he says. Um, and he said that they were cowards, This him talking about the, the other team's fans. In response to that, the league took no action against Maradona and uh, his, his club, Awasel, defended him by saying it's what any honourable person would do. Um, it was a massive event at the time. As somebody who was there and could describe the incident very well was, again, we caught up with Ashley, who talked us through uh, this incident. And this was what he remembered of that. His partner was sat behind me and I think... Al-Shabaab had just scored and one of the Al-Shabaab fans must have said something in the direction of the partner and she stood up and protested back. So one minute I was trying to get all the details of the goal. Next minute I know Diego Maradona has climbed over the fence and into the stand and walked up the stairs and Diego Maradona is right in front of me remonstrating with this fan who's right behind me and his, his girlfriend is somewhere in between. All the while I'm trying to take notes of, of the goal that's just gone in. <laughs> yeah, so that was the end of March. And then in the, the two months from then on in, towards the end of the season, there were no shortage of headlines from Maradona from then on in. At one stage, he, he hinted that he was interested in the, the Bahraini coaching job, the national team there. He again publicly called for investment into the squad. He threatened to leave, as, as you would probably imagine Diego Maradona would, um, at the start of May. And then after a, a meeting with the club, he, he U-turned on that and, and said that he was very much looking forward to working with the club going forward into the next season. But still before they were wrapping a bow on, on that season, he found time to, to brand Kike Sanchez Flores, who was the Al Ali manager at the time and went on to manage in Spain, obviously, and Watford in the Premier League. He called him disrespectful following a, a 6-2 rather comprehensive loss to, to Al Ali. And while all of this is going on, Poor Ashley, is, or maybe he's fortunate, he's getting all of this very, very good copy. Uh, a lot of stories coming out of Diego Maradona's Al Wassel. At that time, his wife was pregnant with their, their first child. And Ashley was telling us that he was so invested in, in covering Maradona at that time that he even floated the idea with his wife of, of calling his, his daughter Maria Donna Hammond. One press conference I wasn't at because my first daughter was born. She was born in the hospital, which is right next to our Wassel Stadium. So she was born, so I didn't go to that press conference, obviously, because I'd just become a dad for the first time. And these yellow flowers arrived, and it had a little Wassel logo on the card, and it wasn't signed, 
but part of me just part of me like really wishes and hopes that that was Diego because he realized that I wasn't at the press conference I really just hoped that it that it was Maradona that realized I wasn't there and sent my wife some flowers but I don't want to ask anyone at the club who sent those flowers because they're going to tell me oh yeah mate it was you know chairman made us do it or something like that I just never asked the question because I always deep down hoped and prayed I really hope that was Maradona that had sent me those flowers or Diego that had sent me those flowers because Maradona wouldn't have done such a thing it would have been Diego (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a pretty sweet story to finish up on there even if we didn't verify if if Maradona did actually send that bouquet Ash wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't let us delve too deeply into that just to keep the, the dream alive that's probably a nice place to wrap up this episode and look ahead to next week when we'll be speaking to some of Maradona's former teammates and opponents and even his five-a-side buddies from Dubai. So look out for episode three and make sure to subscribe to Recorded by The National on your favourite podcasting app to get the latest episodes. Mm-hmm.